Welcome to Subculture. This is a podcast about the many unique, varied, and sometimes little-known groups that people find themselves relating to in our society. In today's world, everything runs on culture. Who you are, what you believe in, what you think about yourself, and the way we relate to the world is all defined by the choices we make and the people we choose to spend time with. How do we decide where we belong? Have you ever thought about changing who you are? Have you ever thought about joining a club, a group, a gang, or a clique? What makes us who we are? What makes us decide where to fit in? That's what this podcast will explore. Every week, I will interview an individual from a different subculture and try to get at the thing that makes them tick. Welcome to another episode of Subculture. Today, I'm talking to Sherry Burks about adventure travel and the the world around adventure travelers. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, uh, just say your name, where you live, where you're from. So I'm Sherry Burks, and um, I'm I'm actually originally from Wisconsin, grew up in a rural area, and then just through time ended up in California and lived in San Diego for 23 years and uh, actually started out in the medical field. I was a nurse practitioner, and um, in rural Wisconsin, I, I cared for was like one of the town providers for all the, the rural people. And then when I moved to San Diego, I was continued doing that, but definitely a culture shock, you know, going from sure. rural Wisconsin to San Diego. But, um, but anyway, love, love that, that, um, that culture there and uh, got into scuba diving and um, just, it's, it's weird how life evolves. Right. But um <laughs> So my, so I have two children and at the time my, uh, my oldest daughter was in junior high and started making bad choices. So it seemed like the right thing to do was to stop practicing medicine and be a mom. And so, but then the kids go to school. So I thought I'm going to train to be a scuba diving instructor. So I go scuba diving during the day and then you'd be home to have a glass of wine and help your kids with their homework, you know, and they, the school bus brings them. So anyway, then um, scuba diving turned into international travel, and I loved it. And then being an instructor for a company that offered travel, it just, I ended up leading trips for them and enjoyed that, did a good job at it. And then at some point, then they asked me, would you like to manage our travel department? And so... That's so I pretty much stopped practicing medicine, still have a license, but ended up being a travel agent. So, which just sounds, sounds odd, you know, but, but, um, and, you know, never really realized that was my passion until I started doing it. And, um, and then the other thing, I mean, life is a discovery. I find out that I just, I'm a people pleaser. And I love taking people with me when I travel, you know, and then you start going there, you know, all about it. And people in general are, they, they have a hard time 
stepping out of their comfort zone. And so yeah. if someone says, here's this great trip, we're going to go to, you know, Fakarava and I'll get your plane ticket and I'll set everything up and you just write me a check, you know, and then we'll all go together and you don't have to worry about anything. People love that, you know, and, and then you start doing that and you find that 10 years later, you're traveling with the same people, you know, because they <laughs> become your friends for life. Right. You know? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, you just keep meeting new people along the way, but yeah. Well, that's a lot to unpack. And that, uh, that's a great intro to, to your, to your story. Uh, I want to dig into so many parts of that. Number <laughs> one, <laughs> that's, you know, that's how you and I know each other. Mm-hmm. I, we have a mutual friend who did some trips with you that lives in yep. California. My good, very, very good friend, Tom Navarez. And Tom introduced me to you and your husband to go on a couple of trips. And I did a couple of trips with you guys. And that's how mm-hmm. I came to know about y'all. I got to tell you, that was the first time I'd ever traveled in that way, you know, with someone planning everything. You just show yeah, up. Yeah, you, and, you, and you kind of hesitated on that, didn't you? That was different for you. <laughs> it, it was very different <laughs> for me. <laughs> Being a traveler myself, I love travel. I've traveled all over the world, you know, kind of just solo traveled around. But, you know, for the most part, it's all been just stuff that I just kind of haphazardly fell into. You know, I never really had a tour, you know, tour guide or a travel planner before until you. And then I met you guys and that was such a different experience and cool, really cool experience. Awesome. Yeah. What, um, what, what was the, what was getting into scuba diving like for you? Did you learn all of that out in California? Yeah. You know, that, that was kind of a dream come true for me because in rural Wisconsin, Wisconsin is landlocked, you know, at least where I was, we didn't have any water, but in seventh grade, we used to watch for a science class, Jacques Cousteau. And I used to watch that and I would think that is the coolest thing in the world. That's what I want to do. And I wanted to be a marine biologist, you know, and I told my my parents, I want to be a marine biologist. And they said, you know, we don't live near water and you sunburn, you know, so, <laughs> so, that, <laughs> yeah. so that, you know, that's not the, you're thing a little ginger you. by the right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I, I learned early not to lay out in the sun, you know, as right. much as I wanted to tan it, it just wasn't going to happen. So, but um, you know, and so I just kind of didn't think about it more until we moved to California and then I started diving and I, it, you know, it's, it's just the thing that you're always meant to do that you're, you know, just naturally good at. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so it is, it, life is so interesting to me how things just work out the way they're supposed to. And I think that's where I was always supposed to be, but I guess before that I was supposed to get into medicine. And so I learned all this yeah. other skill set. Before well, I that's a that. great skill set to bring into your current career. I would say, you know, if you're traveling in yeah. Africa and you have an accident, somebody can, you know, you can help. At least yeah, can, right, you know. right. And yeah. I usually travel with an arsenal of drugs, you know. So, right. you know, if someone yeah, has yeah. a malady, generally I'll have something, you know, to fix it. You know, yeah, that's so. great. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> did you go out? Did you go out for like scuba diving instructor right from the start, or did you just start out as a recreational diver? 
No, pretty much, you know, I, I started diving. I loved it. And uh, one of my good friends uh, at the time, my girlfriends, she had kids in school too. And we both loved diving and, and we're both just very type A, you know, let's go for the top, you know. So we like diving. Let's be instructors, you know. And so we were out in you know, whether it was La Jolla Cove or La Jolla Shores, we were training every day or out on the local dive boats, just racking up dives, you know. And then because you have to have so many dives and so much experience before you can even begin the sequence of, you know, levels to become a dive instructor. Yeah, no, it's it takes a lot. It takes a lot of work and a long time. Yeah. Yep. A lot of dedication. Yeah. Yep. Is it expensive to become a dive instructor? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, everything's relative, right? You know, yeah, but an um, investment. yeah, but yeah, but it's, yeah. I mean, every class costs money, you know, and, yeah. um, and then, you know, the, the, uh, the exams and the physical testing that you do, it's pretty rigorous, you know, so it's, um, you have to really want to do it because it's a lot of studying. I love scuba diving. I've been scuba diving for over 20 years myself. I got um, certified as a paddy diver, you know, just a regular, like, basic level diver in St. Martin in the the 1990s. (laughs) And I never registered my certification. So I never really, I had a paddy certification, but it wasn't like registered with paddy. Mm -hmm. And so, like, 20 years later, um, I was going to go dive in Maui and I knew I needed a actual paddy license. So I had to go get fully recertified again. And I've got my advanced diver certification now. Yeah. Well, this, is, so this is my funny, you know, dive story for me is that, you know, so I learned to dive in San Diego and okay. as nice as San Diego sounds, it's not easy to dive there. You know, a lot of it is shore diving. You've got 50 pounds of scuba gear on your back. And um, and a lot of days you can't see the hand in front of your face, you know, and when you're diving and the water's cold, you know. And so so I would have groups of of scuba diving students and I have a dive master with me. We'd have eight students. And, um, you know, sometimes I'd have to swim up to them. They have to do skills and I'd have to, you know, grab their you know, their dive gear and look them in the eyes to see if it was really my student, uh-huh. recognize them. And then, okay, you're mine, you know, cause I couldn't see if you're three feet away and it'd be okay, do this skill. Right. Yeah. You know, and then, and then when you're diving in, you know, out there, you have your dive master behind you. So you could see the first four people right behind me and my dive master would see the other four people. And then we would just do signals with our flashlights to be, I got four, you got four. We're good. We didn't lose any, you know? So anyway, so, so my first big dive trip that I did as an instructor was to Indonesia and it was just unbelievable. You know, you could see a hundred feet and I thought, are you kidding me right now? You know, and it's warm. I'm not wearing a hood, you know, I can see people. And I thought this would be so easy to be an instructor here, you know? And then, 
pretty much after a while, you just really don't care to dive in San Diego anymore, you know, because... Oh, you go diving in Indonesia, of course not. You don't even right. need a wetsuit yeah. in Indo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so my nephew, he came out and he got, he was from Wisconsin and still is, you know, and he got certified and, you know, and it gets where I just, you know, a better aunt would have, you know, gone diving with him, but I just stayed on the shore because I thought, you know, <laughs> that's just, I still can't do that anymore. You know, it's sad, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> so, so this career path that you've taken as a, as a travel agent is, is giving you the opportunity to go to some pretty incredible places. Yeah. What do you, what yeah. would you say are some of the most incredible places mm-hmm. you've been? Well, you know, so it all started out diving related and um, and for me, the the most exciting thing for diving is seeing you know big pelagics. You know, I love diving with with sharks and manta rays and and um, just you know big big animals. Um, and so, you know, I would say some of my favorite trips have been to um, the Cocos Island um, off of Costa Rica. They call it hammerhead shark sharks, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, hammerheads, yeah. silkies, Galapagos, you know, it's just crazy. Shark crazy. Yeah. Mantas, wow. whale sharks. Wow. And, um, and there's a submarine too. Also very cool. You would have liked that. But anyway, um, and then, um, and I love Indonesia, you know, Indonesia is just in addition to these beautiful manta rays and you see lots of black tips and white tips and whatnot, just beautiful corals. It's gorgeous. You know, you saw that. So but, but then there was a point where our, the company I was working with, we got into going to Africa. Yeah. And so my employer said, you know, Sherry, we're selling Africa. You really need to go to Africa. Yeah. And at the time, I thought, you know, I didn't really have any desire to go there. I thought I'm going to see lions kill cute, fuzzy animals, you know, right. and why, yeah. would, why would I want to see that? You know, that's disgusting. But, but I went and I just fell in love with it. I love that. You know, now I've gone many times and it's, I would go every year. If I had one trip left to do, I would go somewhere in Africa. But, but but also, you know, we've gone, you know, to a lot of other, you know, places, you know, whether it be, um, you know, Egypt or Peru, I mean, South America, um, Central America. I mean, there's just... The world is so big, you know, and and then you have to start thinking, where haven't I been that I really want to go to, you know, but um, yeah. that's true. How, how do you think it changes somebody's perspective to go from, you know, just never going anywhere just to all of a sudden now you're traveling to places like Africa, Indonesia, Central and South America? You know, I think when you start going to third world countries, it changes you as a person, you know, and that's the other thing. And that's why I have a title, you know, what I do and probably what you do also is adventure travel, because we, you know, we don't go to touristy places. You know, we, we go to places where you're you're experiencing, you know, real live local culture. And to me. That's that's why I travel. You know, I want to be able to, you know, meet the local people and see where they live and see what they eat and just talk to them about, you know, their customs and and, um, you know, why they do what they do. And, and um, you know, and, and the more 
the remote you go, the less they will have been sensitized to the rest of the world, you know, and then you see more just real legit, you know, just raw stuff. That that's what I love. That's what I look for. What do you think's the most, um, what do you think's the, mo- the most, like, I, get, I don't know how to say this, like third world place you've been, the least exposed to our culture, probably very poor. Well, you, you know, I mean, it's amazing how fast the world has changed. I mean, when yes. I first went to <laughs> Indonesia in 2009, I remember, um, you know, again, me with red hair and fair skinned, Yeah. you know, that the, the kids were scared of me, you know, because <laughs> what kind of a, you know, what kind of a freak of nature is that, right? You know, and, um, but then, you know, we get to, you know, talking and, and it's all good, but, but, um, but, but probably one, one of the, how I've evolved over time is when I first started doing this, I went really raw with experiences, you know? And so when we went to the Peruvian Amazon, I thought, well, we could do this five-star luxury riverboat, you know, (laughs) or, or we could go in wooden canoes, you know, down into the heart of the Amazon and stay at a research facility you know, where they're actually researching macaws, you know. And so I had two other couples with me because over time, you know, I'll just invite, you know, whoever and I'll say, we're going to do this. Do you want to go? And I'll, yeah. and, and my disclaimer will be as I haven't been there, you know, so you get to experience this with me, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so and so these two couples and, and one couple in particular, hardcore camper, you know, I mean, he would... I mean, he, he's a wilderness guy, right? So our room in the, in, in the jungle of the Amazon has three walls. And, uh, you know, fortunately, there's, there's netting around our bed. But during the night, it's pitch black. They, the generator shuts off the power. I woke up and I said to my husband, I said, am I blind? You know, because I <laughs> thought <that> dark. <laughs> maybe it was that dark. I mean, I couldn't see anything. And I thought, Maybe I'm maybe I'm blind, you know. And he's like, no, Sherry, it's just really dark. So, so then when you get up to go to the bathroom, you have to make sure you have your slippers in the bed with you because there's a layer of bug carnage on the floor, and it's not like little grasshoppers. It's like you know palm size things, Gnarly. you know, that crunch <laughs> when you walk on them, you know, and your toilet water is brown, you know, because it's coming from the local river and the bugs are, it's, it's nasty. And, um, and then you get up before dawn because we're going to hike through the jungle because we want to go see the macaws come in at dawn to the clay lick. And there's hundreds of macaws, you know, just covering this wall of clay and it, it's amazing. You know, but and you look at and you learn to look at your guide. And I'm watching my guide as we're trekking in the jungle, put his pant legs inside of his socks. And I thought, you know, I better be doing that, too. (laughs) 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 Always important to pay attention. You know, yeah. And the reason is because they have these ginormous ants, you know, huge ants that carry big leaves on their heads like bigger than you've ever seen right and um 
So, you know, you just learn to pay attention and do as the locals do. Always really important in in adventure travel, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, but anyway, so my so my my camper friend, a couple days into it, he goes, Sherry. He said, "I'm ready to leave." Oh. <laughs> it was too much. It was just a little too raw, you know. And so glad I did it. And in fact, you know what? I, I would even do it again. But there's not many people that like to travel that raw. You know, they I'd do it with you. Have a- <laughs> <laughs> they want to go for the luxury, you know. I want to so, go to but, the Congo. I want to go to the, to the Amazon. I want to go to some of those places. Yeah, I'm into it. I would do it. People don't realize how hard that type of travel is. I think that was the biggest surprise to me. Even going, okay, we went, I went with you and a group of people <laughs> on a very luxurious boat called the Aranui in Raja. Oh, Omar. yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, this boat was like, you know, it's it's a ten out it's of ten nice. on the luxury side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there are so many elements of that trip that were hard, you know, that I didn't expect. Just getting to the Aranui was yeah. a whole thing, you know, like the flights and like you know the small, <laughs> you know, the changing planes and tiny little remote airports in the middle of yeah. nowhere, and you know, yeah. long waits and weird places and the boat ride yeah. and you know isn't you that where we got escorted to the private room in the philippine airport was that yes. that trip? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and i said chris I, i'm gonna go talk to the nice man at the counter and just find out why we're here and you go sherry just stay where you are and keep your head down <laughs> and say yes sir no sir <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, okay. <laughs> the Philippines, they don't play around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, like people don't realize like the difficulty level, to, you know, just to get to that. And then you get to that boat and uh, we were doing three dives a day for days on end, which is exhausting, you know? Yeah. I mean, it sounds, you know, it is, it is an adventure. It is, you know, incredible. It's also like mentally and physically very taxing. How do you how do you how do you balance that in your life? How do you do that? Well, I think the reward is just being completely off the grid, you know. And 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 to me, the reward is is I go to, down to my cabin at nighttime and I wake up in the morning and I'm at some new beautiful island in paradise, you know, that no one else is there. And um, I have no idea what day of the week it is, you know, and I have no, the, the last trip we were on, it was at the very start of COVID, you know, and back at home, you know, everyone was all, you know, starting to lock up for COVID. We had no idea, you know, we were just enjoying life in this, this sanctuary of just beauty. And, and um, so, so to me, the, it's the reward that makes the the discomfort of getting there worth it, you know. And 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 also the other way I look at it is 
if it was easy to get there, then everyone else would go there too. That's right. <laughs> and then it won't be a sanctuary anymore, right? You I was know? hoping you were going to say that because that's exactly yeah. the right. You're exactly right. If it was easy to go to, like it'd be Disney World. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we go on a big plane ride, and then we go on a little plane ride, and then we might have a boat ride. Um, you know, and it's just, it, you know, it might take 30 hours to get somewhere, you know, and so that is that that's part of your trip, you know, on either end and, and, and going home, those 30 hours allow you to decompress from, or even process what you just experienced, because sometimes it's just so unreal what you experience while you were at your destination that you, you just can't even wrap your head around what you saw and what just happened. You know, I totally agree with that. Like going home is the time when I really like start processing like, Oh my God, I just was in a place with the last living gorillas in the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we did yeah. that. Some of the, so, you know, that's really cool that we're talking about that. I think it's very interesting. I will say like some of the top like five or so experiences of my lifetime, I was with you mm-hmm. and Tim and Dom and all the rest of that crew, you know, yeah. but, but like trekking into the Uganda, um, impen- the Bwindi Impenetrable The Bwindi Impenetrable Forest. <laughs> yeah and then we had to yeah. hike like straight up a mountain yeah. <laughs> in a sloshing mud <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah yeah and then to go, to go find yeah. gorillas and set with those gorillas which really smell bad i was kind of surprised at how bad gorillas smell. yeah you know and the gorillas in rwanda or in, in uganda it was buggy there but yeah. but the bugs weren't really on us. The bugs were all on the gorillas. I thought. I mean, I didn't have at least me. I wasn't getting bitten. I don't know if you were. But, I didn't but have any gorillas. problem with the bugs. But it was pretty crazy to see all those bugs around those gorillas. Yeah. 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 You know, and and the other thing about that that um, and this gets back to you know about the people at the destination you're at. You know, we had porters that we hired for what twenty bucks or something. Yeah. You know, to help us. You know push us and pull us, you know, up that and down those hills and carry our water. And, and for them, you know, they, they get the opportunity in the, in the local village, their number comes up maybe once or twice a month where they get Uh to do that. And so for them to get handed a $20 bill is huge. You know, I mean, normally where we were, they, they make their money picking tea leaves, you know, and maybe they make six dollars uh i don't know a month or whatever you know but it's nothing you know and so us being there just helps them want to protect the gorillas and not poach them and and it just and and it helps their quality of life you know so i feel really good about that yeah you feel like uh by just by by taking that trip and being there and being a tourist there you're helping their local economy you're helping the conservation of the animals themselves uh yeah yeah they do i mean they do have a whole like you know speaking specifically about uganda they do have like that whole industry around those gorillas which is kind of crazy because yeah uganda is probably the most shockingly poor place i've ever visited in my life yeah I can't think of yeah. anywhere I've ever been where I've seen people living in more yeah. 
abject poverty in there. And and the other thing is um, the other part that is so interesting for me is the drive through the countryside. You know, when you see you see the locals out, you know, carrying you know baskets on their heads, you know, and and maybe they had to get up before dawn with the sweet potatoes they hoed and raised to carry them to market, you know, and maybe they got a baby on their back. And, and, um, I mean, you just look at, um, what we would consider suffering, but to them, that's just life. And, and overall the attitude is just one of happiness, you know, they're friendly and they smile and they're, you know, they sing and, and they're just so grateful for what they have. You know, and to me, when I look at how I'm grateful, I feel our society or just self-righteous our society can be. It's very um, just life-changing to see, you know, someone who lives in a different country who has very little to nothing, and yet they're they're happy with what they have, you know. One, one thing um, that, that just popped in my head that uh, I'd like to talk with you about is, and maybe you've had this experience, it's like when I talk to people, just like random people in America about these types of travels that I've been on, a lot of times I'll get a reaction from them that's very negative, like, why would you go there? That sounds very dangerous. I would never go to a place so dangerous. Do you, you have you had that experience with people like asking you? Oh like, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. why would you? Do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people fear what they don't know. You know. Yeah. And I mean, a lot yeah. of people. I would say a lot of people would be, you know, reluctant to just jump on a plane and fly to Africa and just go, you know, tra- traveling around. Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think that's partially why, you know, escorting them there is such a popular thing, you know, because everyone knows that travels with me that we don't just randomly go somewhere. You know, I've researched, I know, I know the operators where we're at. I know I have handlers, you know, the minute we get off the plane, you know, we're taken care of. So I'm never in some third world country thinking, I don't know where to go or what to do. There's always somebody there. Now, did you learn that the hard way or did that, is that, is that, is that because you've like, you've had like experiences where you were like, did you learn, did you learn that the hard way or the easy uh, way? You know, fortunately you not, fortunately not <laughs> that, that I, I, I give the credit to um, the owners of the company that I work I gotcha. with that, that yeah. they had already established, uh, you know, uh, an, an agency that was safe, you know, oh, and, that's good. and, yeah, and and I guess that's the other part I really love about adventure travel and what I do is is all of the the suppliers I work with around the world, you know, yeah. they become yeah. your friends, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so so you know, the other day I said, "Well, we should go to Morocco because that's kind of on my <laughs> radar, you know." Okay. So I know who to call in Morocco and say, "Hey, we have yeah. 12 of us and we want to go to Morocco for a couple of weeks, you know, or What's whatever. What's a trip in Morocco like? What do you do in Morocco? Morocco um, is, uh, it's desert, you know, a lot of desert. Yeah. Um, you go, you go out in the, in, you go camping in the desert and ride camels and be like a, whatever those people are called that 
fried camels in the desert <laughs> with the things on their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that, you know, and then, and then it's a lot of, um, it's, sorry, it's a lot of, um, just culture there. You know, there's old cities from, yeah. you know, way back and, and, um, a lot of artistry, you know, um, artists and, um, you know, herbs and, canning of leather and oils and just lots of, um, yeah, artisan type stuff, I guess. And then there's, you know, your, your synagogues and whatnot. It's, it, it's more cultural. It's not really a wildlife destination. It's yeah. Cultural. No, I'm into it. Yeah. 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 One of the, one of the, you, you'd mentioned like the operators that you work with. I, I will say, you know, from, from traveling with you, like you work, the people that you have worked with that I experienced were all very much like first class people. I, you know, somebody that I think about all the time is our safari guide, that Chevy. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. You know. These guys are absolutely like just some of the most incredible people I've ever met in my whole life. Like I can't even explain it to people like here. I'm trying to explain like they go through like, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but they go through like two years of training, like hardcore, like military style training Yeah, yep. to become a safari guide. Yep. Yep. And what what did you say? And it's expensive. You know, it's, it's very expensive. You know, in general, Pretty much all of the guides we've had and throughout yeah. our different Africa trips, they yeah. they they come from very poor families, you know. Right. And right. and and I remember, um, so during COVID, during COVID, and this this is another neat thing is if you're willing to travel when everyone else is scared to travel, as long as you know you just have a good head about it, it can be a great opportunity to experience a destination without all the other people. Yeah. So, so that's what we did in 2020 during COVID. We went to, uh, to Kenya and, um, there's nobody there. We'd go to lodges. We'd be the only people there. But, um, but, but what made me think of it is when we were up in, um, in Northern Kenya, we went to this elephant sanctuary called, um, Rotete and, uh, and it's just a great story about how the local villagers are helping to, save the orphaned elephants and what other random animals that, you know, end up being orphaned due to whatever. And, and they also use the uh, milk from their goats to feed the orphaned elephants. So it's just, they're incentivized to protect the animals instead of just kill them. But anyway, our guide there are, and, and the guides there, um, not as well-traveled, um, by us. So the guides were very traditionally dressed, you know, with their little Maasai. Well, they weren't even Maasai, but anyway, our guide, his, 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 and his family, your level of wealth is how many goats they had. Okay. So, and, and cows, you know, that's, and they don't have bank accounts. They're nomads and your wealth is judged by how many cows and goats you have. And so as, as a boy, his job was to um, herd the 10 goats they had every day. So he just wasn't very good at it. And he lost nine goats, nine of the 10. So to punish him, his father said, you have to go to school. That was his punishment. Because otherwise, they don't go to school. They learn to right. be herders. Right. So, so he goes to school and he thinks, 
I like this. You know, I don't have to, my meal isn't because normally their meal would be a gourd filled with cow's milk and blood. You know, they do bloodletting and that's what they drink. He goes to school, they go, we get porridge. We get porridge and we learn stuff, you know? (laughs) And, and, you know, so anyway, his punishment ended up being his awakening and um, he ended up becoming a guide, you know? And, um, and now he's considered wealthy because he actually has a source of income. And so he keeps repaying his father with the goats that he lost. And he said, it will never be enough goats. You know, I keep giving him goats, but it will never be, it will never, that debt will never be repaid. Uh (laughs) But anyway, but that, you know, but just to think that, you know, they don't even go to school, you know, they're nomads and that's what they do is they herd animals. You know? That's a crazy story. What's it take yeah. to become a safari guide? I mean, they have to know a lot of stuff, right? I mean, they have to know. Oh, like, a yeah, lot of it's intense. Things. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. know all the animals. They know the mating habits of all the animals. They know where all the animals eat. They know what they eat. They know their calls. What? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where they'll hear a bird and they'll say, oh, there's there's a lion nearby. Well, yeah. We'll be, well, why, why do you say that? Well, because that bird, that bird just did the alarm that there's a line, you know, <laughs> it's stuff right. like that where you didn't even hear the bird, you know, right? because <laughs> <laughs> we're all busy talking and joking around and not paying attention, you know. One surprising thing to me about traveling in the Serengeti was that there are no roads. <laughs> <laughs> we did a lot of driving on that trip. There are no roads. It's just pig trails going through the wilderness of nowhere. I don't know how they know their way. They that guy never looked at a map once. How do yeah. they know like what yeah. pig trail goes yeah. to where? You know? Yeah. I think you just look off on the horizon that way and there's a mountain. And then I yeah. look that way and there's whatever. And so I know I need to go straight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I would get I can't. I'm the worst at directions, so they know how to find all the camps where you know where to go. They know how to they know how to feed people. They know how to work on the trucks when the trucks break down in the middle of the Serengeti. Remember that? Man, we had a mechanical yeah. problem, and the guy just like pulls out his tool bag and starts fixing the truck. It's crazy. I know. To me, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They're What's the hard part about your job? Is it hard? I guess I guess I should rephrase that. Is it is it is a is it a hard part of your job to manage all the people and personalities? You have a lot of people on some of these trips. You have 15, 20 people sometimes. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know what? Over the years, I mean I mean, early on, I would just say, come on, let's go. Whoever, you know, let's do it. And and now over time I've learned to to try and be more aware of personalities on the front end to know, you know what, this, I know that in this particular group, I have these people and, you know, I just, you just know people and who's going to get along and who isn't. And, and I'm, and on most of these trips, you know, it is, they're expensive, you know? And so I feel it's my responsibility to make sure or do everything I can for everyone to have a good time. And so part of that is, is being careful who is in the group. So, yeah. So, so I do that, you know, and, um, and, and it's really, I would have to say over the last, you know, several trips, it's been really good, 
you know, I, I think we're getting, I think we're getting good you're at just, you just you're honing it in where you did your intuitions just on point, yeah. you know, exactly <laughs> who's going to mess right. with who and how it's going to jive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's going to be okay, you know, rooming with someone or, you know, yeah. whatever, but, but, um, but I, you know, but I do, I love, I love people and I love seeing people be happy you know, and, and I know that a lot of these people maybe would never have gone on this trip if it hadn't been for me. And so I feel personally responsible to uh, have it be a good experience for them. Yeah, I would say that's very true. I probably have, would never have done that trip without you guys putting it together and having me along. What, <laughs> what, how do you deal with the adversity of traveling? You know, I mean, traveling is like, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier, but traveling is not easy. Um, a lot of things can go wrong <laughs> and they oftentimes do, you know, mm-hmm. vehicles break down, planes don't leave on time, you know, connections yeah. are missed, hotels screw up reservations. I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of different things can happen. How do you deal with that? I think, I think you just have to view it all as part of the adventure, you know, I mean, because when you're traveling, you know, to these remote places, there's a good chance things aren't going to go as planned, you know, and it's all, it's all just part of the journey, you know, and, and there's always a solution, you know, eventually you will all get home, you know, and, um, you know, so you just, you know, you just have fun. You know, like, like we had our vehicle break down and we were all sitting in the middle of nowhere and, you know, I don't even know what that was, cement building, whatever, you know, and, um, (laughs) yeah, you know, and it's just like, I don't know, it's, it's making memories. Right. And it's something that then down the road, you say, remember when that happened? Yeah, and everybody found yeah. the bar, and that was that. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and Chris, you did. Chris found the Wi-Fi up the hill. The place I found the Wi-Fi, there. and there yeah. was connected to the bar for everybody else since I don't drink. <laughs> I know. You were number one, the first one there. Got a nose for it. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I think that's the thing is, you know, you, you can't – you have to be patient. You never panic. You, you, you can't let yourself get upset. It just has to be. It's all part of the journey. You know, and I think as long as and and again, that's part of what I do is, you know, it's it's just calm the people down. You know, it's OK. You know, you mentioned that those trips are expensive and they are, you know, to go on that type of journey is, is expensive from the flights to the accommodations to, you know, paying a travel guide. All of those things can add up. What would you say to somebody that doesn't have the budget for that type of trip that wants to stick their toe in the water of adventure travel? Well, I think you have to be prepared to go without a lot of comforts, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. I know people that travel that, um, you know, they, they travel light, they stay at hostels, you know, they're willing to eat, you know, peanut butter sandwiches, you know, and, and you know, so, uh, you know, if you're just willing to keep it raw, you know, and, and you know, it's, yeah, it's totally doable. You know, it's, yeah. So my, it's my just My wife not, and I went to Vietnam recently and I got to tell you, like, we did not spend a lot of money. It was not expensive. You know, we just did a, we did it kind of on a shoestring yeah. just because, you know, nice. and I, didn't yeah. Really, yeah. I didn't really feel like we were skimping on anything. It was just not an mm-hmm. expensive place. And 
you know. Well, and also, you know, if you're willing to just, you know, I I don't say take, don't want to say take a risk, but, you know, but there's, in in most countries, you can just go online and you could probably find a villa or someone, you know, this place looks decent, you know, so, you know, it's affordable, let's do that, you know, and, um, and it's probably going to be just fine, you know, but um, yeah, so, so it's just, I mean, our, our niche is it's, it's really luxury adventure travel. Um, and if it's not luxury, that's a disclaimer. I tell the people going with me, <laughs> but probably not enough in the Peruvian Amazon, you know, but we did end up, we the ended up on this. relative to where you are. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's right. only so well, much luxury trip. you can have when you're like 12 hours from the nearest village in the middle of a, yeah. you know. Well, even the trip we did in the Serengeti, that was, that was an aggressive trip. We did a lot of driving in that trip, you know, I mean, we, it could have been a lot more expensive had we done, you know, had we flown more, you know, but we were Uh, trying to keep the price down. And, and so we did a lot of driving, you know, is that what um, people do? Will they go out there and then travel a little bit and then fly from place to place? Is that a way to do it? Yeah. Yep. You get in your little Cessna caravan or, or smaller, depending on how many you are and, Go to the next you. place. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that. I just thought that's what we had to do. We just drive. Yeah. <laughs> we did a lot of driving. <laughs> no. And that's why we did that is, is I was trying to make the trip more budget friendly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. So, it, yeah, but it turned out really great. We, we saw just about everything we set up. We saw a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only thing that we missed was a, a rhinoceros. Yeah, we didn't. I remember we were, I, I think we were just looking for rhinos just to humor us because I think our guide knew there was no rhino there. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah there's, so we yeah. saw a rhino over here. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that rhino was ever there. He was no. just giving us false hope. Yeah. Yeah. So, the people don't realize there's almost none left in the world. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, and, and, and that's another, um, um, destination is is there there's um some conservancies in africa that are really making an effort to preserve the rhino and um you know with canine anti anti-poaching units and rangers and and um and it's that's another really neat trip you know in kenya so, you know, a trip would, that we talked about when I was with you guys last, and I believe Tim and I did a little bit of talking about it, was a trip up the Amazon River to see orangutans somewhere. Do you, is that something? You oh, that done? wasn't the Amazon. That was in Indonesia. Yeah. Oh, in Indonesia. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like either you can, Malaysia, Borneo or Indonesia. Borneo. That's Borneo. Right. right. Yeah. 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 That's a cool trip too. Yeah. That's something that you guys have done. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we have. Yeah, right I would do that again. That's <laughs> I, I just I dig that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and again, it, it, it's all about knowing who you're traveling with. You know, yeah. I, I have people that I know. It has to be they need to come back to their five star whatever with their copper bathtub and just you know, <laughs> just live the high life. You know, right? And then right. I have people that. They're cool. We'll stay in the treehouse. 
you know, yeah. and, and watch the little monkey toes, you know, between the floor, <laughs> the boards and the floors, the little monkeys are climbing underneath your treehouse, you know, yeah. see, I love that kind of stuff, you know, but yeah. Or don't go out your front door because there's a big snake in front of it, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, I just think, oh, this is such an adventure. But, but you, again, you, you have to know your audience. <laughs> What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you on a trip? Hmm. I don't know. I really, you know, I don't get scared easily. I just take it as an adventure, you know, but I would say one of the coolest things, one yeah. of the coolest things was, um, was we were in, we were in the Cocos, I told you shark Island. And, uh-huh. um, and during the day when you're scuba diving, you'll see, you'll see hundreds of white tip sharks laying on the floor you know, and, um, just sleeping, apparently sleeping, but once (laughs) dusk comes, they all wake up and they all go hunting, you know, and there'll just be just streams, rivers of, of, of these white tip sharks going, you know, they're all hunting. And so that's when we would go diving to see them, you know, and um, (laughs) on my first trip there, I was, you know, I just thought I'm going to go lay on the bottom and as all the sharks stream over, I'm going to put out my hands. I'm going to pet their bellies as they go over me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and and it was just, it was the coolest thing, you oh know. And, I don't know, it's like I'm here and just seize the moment kind of thing. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that takes, you know, th- th- I mean, it takes some guts to go swimming with a bunch of sharks, number one. Number two, to want to touch them. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't really know that that was the deal. They were just <laughs> randomly being touched as they swam by. Yeah, for people listening, you're talking about the Cocos is uh, an island uh, off the coast of Costa Rica in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. How, how long does it take to get there? Well, so that's part of the adventure, too, is it's, um, it's a 30-hour boat ride. 30 and hours. So, wow. Yep, yeah, yep. Right. So because it's too far to fly a helicopter and there's no yeah. place to land a plane. So, so you, you leave from, um, Punta Arenas, um, Costa Rica and late in the afternoon and, and you have dinner, you go to bed and then the next day is a full day at sea. And then you go to bed that night and you wake up the next day and you swear you're at King Kong's Island. You know, there's all (laughs) these, these trees and, and foliage and the birds are circling and, and you expect King Kong to roar. You know, yeah, and yeah. and the diving there is just it's amazing, you know, and um, and then you have to remember you have to do that going home, too. So but again, <laughs> right. it's just a nice time to to decompress and just think about your trip and go through yeah. photos and just, I don't know, think about whatever. But is, um, is, is that island uninhabited or is there people living on it? No, no there's just a ranger station there. Ranger station. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's a big in area the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Like it's out in like the big boy ocean. It's really yeah. like oh for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You know, it's in the yeah. same volcanic chain as there's the Galapagos Islands and there's right. co- the Cocos, and then there's um, the Coral Islands. You know, off of Mexico, and yeah. and the the Galapagos Islands are you know more rocky, whereas the Cocos Islands are vegetated. You know, Have you been to the Galapagos lush. Islands too, Sherry? 
I haven't, you know, I've had opportunities and the, just the timing has never been right. And now I'm just thinking, I don't want to dive in cold water. Just, <laughs> well, I used to have a dry suit. I used to dive in cold water yeah, all the time. And now yeah. I just think, nah, I don't know that I need I, to do I that. I would say if you guys ever plan a Galapagos trip, you should let me know. I would be interested in going with you guys there. That would be cool. People I would do that. keep yeah. going back there. I mean, I, I know people, they go there three or four times, you know, it's epic. Yeah. Just, I mean, just because it's such an oddity in the world, you know, as far as the the whole, you know, Darwin and the evolution of the animals there and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Very yeah, and the little place. iguanas that um, they, uh, you know, they can swim underwater and then they, they blow the salt out of their noses. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's cool. So what's on your bucket list? Somebody who's done everything. What 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 do you want to do that you no, haven't done? No, you know, so um I really haven't done much in Southeast Asia. And okay. um and I, you know, I'm I'm toying with different ideas. There there's um we had a taste of doing a luxury train, you know, like the old school oriented express, yeah. you know, with yeah. the, the little, you know, baby grand piano and the bartender and all that. Um yeah. And when we were in um, South America and um, and they do that sort of a thing also in Southeast Asia, I think in yeah. Vietnam, I've, I've looked at that. Um, also a cool area to go by riverboat. Um, I don't know. That's an area I just haven't explored much. Right. So, but one, Man, I one of be my your tour guide in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can be my escort. Okay. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> I've yeah, done a little yeah. Southeast Asia and I really have enjoyed it. Although I will say that Vietnam trip was quite hard. You know, we had a wonderful time, but it's exhausting. In what perspective? Just because you're moving a lot? It's exhausting to get there 33 hours in a plane. Um, you know, I will yeah. say like the food was a little weird for me. You know, I mean, there's like the whole like romantic notion of eating all this street food in Southeast Asia until you actually get there and you see the street food. It's all a little dirty, <laughs> you know, yeah. so oh, it's man. a little yeah. like, you know, it's just all a little sketch that way. The people were amazing. I'm a, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of a bigger guy and like all the little people were so fascinated with me, especially the kids. Everybody was like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. that was and your tattoos. I yeah, I like that part yeah. of it. Um, you know, the accommodations were wonderful. We stayed in amazing, beautiful, luxurious hotels. And some of them were like a hundred dollars a night. I mean, it was just like ridiculously wow. priced, you know, cheap, but well, it sounds like it could be a, you know, yeah, an affordable yeah. trip. Yeah, it could, it could be. I think, I think our friend Tom Navarez is maybe in Vietnam right now. Oh, he's going to do a riverboat there. Yeah, he yeah. was telling me about that. He might be there. I'm, cool. I'm not sure. If he's not there, he's probably just getting back from it. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, one, one of the really cool trips, it's still one of my favorite trips that I did to that part of the world was in Thailand. And we did a, we did a sea canoe. Um, it was a three-day sea canoe trip. And, um, and it was years ago before I really even worked in travel and looking back, it was pretty rustic, you know. I mean, we had a rusted out metal boat for our, our main ship. And <laughs> then and then we had um, kayaks. And at night, and, and so during the day, 
we would we would take our kayaks and we'd be going through these mangroves and and it's kind of Thailand and you know heading towards the Philippines. It's just lots of beautiful rocky formations and um, you know where maybe when it's low tide you, you can get in under this arch of a rock and you go in and you feel like it, you're well you're surrounded by a crown of rocks you know yeah, and when you yeah. yell it echoes and it's just it's gorgeous. No one's there, right? And um, and, and then at night, they would take us in the kayaks and we'd go on a beach in the dark and they'd have a tent set up for us and we'd sleep in a sleeping bag on the beach in our tent. And then you'd wake up in the morning and you're at paradise, you know, and and then they'd come and pick you back up in the rust bucket, you know, <laughs> and, and the food, we had our own cook and the food was phenomenal. And we'd stop and there'd be caves along the way and one of the guides would climb up this rickety ladder into this cave and come out with fresh vegetables because they knew the guy who was up there and that was the produce drop off site, you know? And so it was just, it was so raw, but it was so beautiful, you know? And again, you weren't on a phone, you had no, you know, there was no completely off the grid. It was really cool. What do you say to like average Joe Schmo who's sitting at home listening to this podcast and they're like on the fence about doing some kind of like crazy adventure travel? Well, I would say, you know, maybe, maybe go with, with a small group or go with an organization that yeah. is, you know, already has it planned so that a lot of the guesswork is, you know, gone. You, you can just, you know, sign up and go. Um, but, but look, but to look closely at the itinerary, you know, cause I, I know, especially with Africa, there's a lot of, I mean, you can go online and there's all kinds of trips to Africa, but when you look at them, a lot of them, they might be inexpensive, but you just right. might be going to some big touristy area, you know, in some huge hotel with, you know, a convention center and, you know, so it, it's, it's all about the experience, right? And so just, I would research that closely. You're a very good planner. Thank you. I think I am too. Thank yeah, you. you are. I mean, you're like, your, your travel itinerary is like down to the, this is what we're going to be doing at 3.30 on next <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> but, but you know what? That's how, that's how you avoid problems. You know, if, yeah, you know. I can imagine if you're dealing with a big mixed group of people and it's all travelers and you're the responsible party, the more planning up front, the better. Yep. I'm so bad at planning when it comes to travel. I don't even book hotel rooms till I get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can see you getting experience. away with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're sly. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. Though you have to be incredibly organized, you yeah. know, and yeah. and and having your um, you know, it's important to know to be connected and know people and to know yeah. who yeah. to contact if there's a problem. You know, preferably someone that lives in that country. Yeah. Is it pretty much a standard practice for you to go somewhere before you start taking people there? For our company, yes, yeah. I have been known to not do that but i always yeah. have a disclaimer you know because for me <laughs> for me if i'm going somewhere to a new destination yeah i think i want to take some friends with me you know yeah, and, right. and, and so i'll be chris you know never yeah. been there but this is what we're doing 
you know, and, yeah. and so it's going to be a good price because, you know, it's just, it's an exploratory trip, you know, right, right, and right, right. Um, yeah. And so I end up doing that, taking a I few know. friends with, and I just, yeah. I love that, you know, because we're all explorers, you know, and then wow. if it's not exactly what you thought it would be, then you can't be mad at me because I'll be like, Chris, I told you I'd never been here. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We're exploring. So when we come back next time, we won't go there. We we won't stay in the in the room with only three walls with the bugs and the no lights. Okay. Remember that camp where the lions ate something in the middle of the camp in the middle of the night? We got into a camp Um, and like a bunch of lions ran into our camp and ate a wildebeest. You remember that? (laughs) Yes. When when they tell you not to leave your tent at night, they mean it. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I never don't left be, my Don't be doing that. That was one direction yeah. I followed very carefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to plug your company or you, do you want to pl- put in a plug for that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I work for a great company. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's Ocean Enterprises Travel um, yeah. out of San Diego. They've right been um, Werner Kearns, the CEO, and he started the company in 1979. So they've been, they've been doing it a long time, you know, and that's where I said, I, I, I have been, you know, blessed in that I didn't have to start from scratch, you know, he trained me, you know, so, and, and his, you know, form of operating is just, you know, it needs to be safe and we need to be well represented, you know, and um, yeah. So no, we just, I mean, stuff happens. But, yeah. you know, we just, we have people there that help us when stuff happens. Yeah. Well, I can vouch for it personally, having traveled with you guys through that company. You guys are a first class operation all the way. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to say about your life of adventure and travels? No, you know, I think, um, I just think it never ends. You know, I mean, the only thing that I see will be different for me is, is I am, um, starting my own little homestead here, you know, so tending to my little animals will be, you know, I might not travel several trips a year, you know, I'll be more selective, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. You to a point in your life where you can do that. And uh, I think that's really awesome. And you're, and you're always with your husband, who's the, the, the amazing Tim Burks as well. So he's always, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I've got my, my family is next door and I have all these nieces and nephews and it's fun to be able to be a part of their lives. So, so I just feel blessed to be able to combine my love of travel, but still be able to, you know, have my family, my family close by. Well, I have enjoyed talking to you so much and catching up with you. It's great to see your face. It's great to talk to you. I hope that uh, you and I and Tim and my wife and all of us can get together and go on an adventure somewhere someday. Uh, I would love that. (laughs) Sounds good. I'll start planning. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Subculture. Thank you again, Sherry Burks, for your interesting perspective on all your adventure travels. It was great catching up with you. If you like the show, please rate and review me in the podcast app that you're listening on and share with your friends. 
You can find me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris, and I'll drop a link to contact Sherry in the show notes below. Look forward to connecting with you all again next week. Mm-hmm.